Okay, so um, we have Alex Allred, and um, I know that Chicky sent out a little uh, glimpse of Alex um, in terms of her life and uh, and all the accomplishments and in, in, um, how she's paved the way for women in many ways as an athlete and in, um, in some incredible endeavor she's encountered, um, you know, lately in her personal life. She's written many books, um, a couple of which I'm going to ask her to kind of highlight for us. Um, so with that, I would just invite Alex to just jump in and, and tell us all about, you know, yourself. Well, thank you for having me, and I have to tell you right off the bat, I love how everybody introduced themselves by way of animal. So I'll tell you that I have two rescue cats and two rescue dogs and my two horses. So <laughs> I'm a good company. Yay. Um, well, I, I, it was a great conversation yesterday, and one of the things that we talked about, and when I saw the release press release that Chicky sent out, I instantly responded, and I told her right off the bat, I was ex- I'm very excited about your organization and what you all do because, it really is a sisterhood, and we really do need to support each other, uh, whether it's business or sports, because uh, a lot of so many people don't want to hear this, but the good old boy system does does work. So, and it is it's still out there, and so um, it's it's really important that we all share our stories with each other, and that's that's really why I reached out to her in the first place. I, I think it's so important what you guys are doing with each other for each other. And Alex, um, you had an incredible um, kind of run, if you will, as an athlete on the U.S. national team. And yesterday when, when we spoke, you, you shared with me some incredible um, stories about, you know, the adversity that you had and some of the things you had to overcome. Do you want to talk about uh, that a little bit in terms sure. of... Sure. The, the, first, the first part of the story is really that I... The, the way I got into bobsledding was by no means glamorous. I was sitting, uh, I've got three children at the time. I, I had a newborn, my first child, and I was sit at home. I was sitting on the couch watching the ESPN. I'm a big sports fan, so I was watching ESPN and saw bobsledding and just couldn't believe how cool this sport was. And so I hung on waiting for the women because that's really what I really wanted to watch was the women, and they never came. And so I did a little bit of uh, research and found out that women were not, there was no women's team, and in fact, women weren't allowed to bobsled. And it had been determined decades before that the sport was too fast, the equipment was too heavy, and women couldn't handle it. And so, uh, as I told Carolyn yesterday, I, I began a very obnoxious and aggressive letter campaign. And really, I, mostly I just wanted to put out there that that was nonsense. So I was pretty surprised when I got a letter back, a phone call actually, inviting me to submit my athletic resume, <laughs> such as it was. And really, all I had going for me at that time is I had a I had a black belt and had been a competitive fighter. So I put that down, and I think I even tried to reach back into my grade school days of playing soccer, and was invited to get to the to the bobsled federation, and little. By little, I, as I was getting back into shape after having a, a child and the great support from my family, I kept making cut after cut after cut until it was until it was the finals. It was the U.S. Nationals, and um, I, I was also pregnant again. And I was four and a half months pregnant, 
and wound up winning the 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 entire nationals. I, I, so I was the name the first U.S. national champion for bobsledding and was named athlete of the year by the United States Olympic Committee. And as I said yesterday, I I know that I a lot of the attention that I got, I, the Sports Illustrated did a story on me. I think more people were fascinated by the fact that I was pregnant than uh, this was the first U.S. women's bobsled team, to be honest with you. And I got a lot of phone calls from around the world and letters from other athletes who just wanted to know how did I know what to do and how much I could do and what would be safe for the child. And so I wound up, but it was that, that in itself was astonishing because I realized how little communication there was among the elite athletes on what they could even do. And so, of course, I started sharing that information. But the big surprise for me was uh, because I was pregnant, obviously, I wasn't going to get back into a sled. So while I was sidelined and I watched my other teammates go on and start to start to compete, we hoped, and get them overseas and start doing World Cup competitions, I found out that the U.S. Bobsled Federation really had no intention of giving us any uniforms, equipment, sleds, even a coach. They had no intention of giving us anything, and it really was. It was supposed to look pretty on paper that they were all for Title IX and, and equity in sports, and and that was it. And so I don't think anybody anticipated me being pregnant and having so much time on my ha- angry time on my hands, and so... I began really campaigning to get other countries involved and get the USOC and the IOC, the International Olympic Committee involved. And from that point, I started connecting with Swiss and German and Canadian and British sliders who were all having equal treatment in their own countries. And that's really how it started. I, you know, it's, even now, I'm, I'm always surprised when I look back on just how hard it was. We were on top of the world when we made the U.S. women's bobsled team, and then just to find out that really it, it had been kind of a joke. And so we really had to fight. And yesterday we were talking about this. The irony here is that uh, we wound up getting a bigger sponsor name than the men did as a result of really trying to put it out there and get bring attention to what we were trying to do. And that was that, was that part. <laughs> And that, and when you did get that sponsor, you told me that interesting story about how the men uh, oh, yeah. got your uh, got your goodies before you ladies did. And we were, I was, I was actually uh, at the Olympic Training Center in Lake Placid, and I was in the cafeteria, and someone wandered into the cafeteria and said, "Hey, Alex, have you been upstairs to the office?" "No, why? What's going on?" They said, "Well, the men's team's up there pilfering through all your stuff," and I mean, I'm telling you, I. I was stunned because I could I couldn't believe we finally got this equipment. Bob's said equipment is expensive. They're just the helmet and the burn suits. The burn suits are hundreds of dollars. The special ice shoes that you wear those are hundreds of dollars. And to find out that these guys were upstairs just pilfering through our stuff that I had to, you just can't believe the fire that I had to jump through to get this stuff. And so we went tearing up there. And of course, by the time we got up there, the place was cleared out and they were gone. But sure enough. We had a couple of women from the team who didn't have some of their equipment. It never showed up again, and then the men pilfered through our stuff. But even then, they always got all the top equipment. Everything that came through, they it always went to the men's A team, then the men's B team, and then us. And then when we finally got our own equipment through our own hard work, they still took it. 
or tried to. Wow. And and some of the uh, interesting uh, facts that you shared with me centered around the women's kinship, especially even with the different countries that were involved, um, yeah. whether it was Switzerland, et cetera. That's actually what set in motion my uh, my first book was women uh, pregnant athletes, and it, you know of course it's, it wasn't going to be a big seller. That's not a, what it was about. I just really wanted to be able to share information with some of these athletes from other countries so they could do something. But the second book that I put out, Women in Sports, it really came about because of just sitting back and watching other athletes and in bobsledding. It's it's a very cutthroat sport. I mean, all sports are cutthroat when you get to that level, but it's a very cutthroat sport. And most bobsledders can tell you that they go through they go through teammates like you go through a box of Kleenex because it's just it's not personal. It's business. But one of the things that I saw right off the bat with the women is when we were overseas, your your sled weighs about 400 pounds, and they have the lower racks that you just can slide after a day of sliding. You can just slide your your sled into the lower racks. But they also have, it's kind of like a bunk bed, they also have the upper racks. And so whoever the host country is, they always give their own athletes the lower bunks and then, you know, the other athletes get the upper bunks. That's not a surprise. But as I was saying, at the end of the day with sliding, you're banged up and bruised and many times so injured you can't even really do anything. Um, What I love to see is the women would, and with even language barriers, other countries They'd all come together so that there wasn't just two women trying to hoist a 400-pound sled up on their shoulders and slide it into the into the racks, but you'd have six, seven, eight women all counting one, two, three, boom, lifting it and t- taking it away. And we wouldn't just take care of one sled, but nobody would leave the sled shack at the bottom of the mountain until every female athlete had all her equipment put away. And that was just something that you never saw with the men. And I remember there was a there was a reporter, and he he was really the person that put the the seed in my mind when he said, "You don't you don't see this in men's sports. This is exclusively women." And, and that that was a really with all the stuff that we went through, and we were always having to fight against really everybody and trying to get women into the Olympics. At this time, it was not an Olympic sport. Women were not allowed in the Olympics. That those. It was those moments that were so empowering that really kind of kept me in the game, so to speak. Okay. Um, and and you had a lot of uh, interesting stories as well about, you know, your life beyond. Well, actually, talk to us a little bit about the physical endurance that you had to go through just to, to make this type of um accomplishment to be on the team and then you know having been pregnant oh yeah the training the training and in fact uh kind of a sidebar here and i don't know who today listening who heard the the most uh, recent remarks from the actor uh, mark Wahlberg, but he was selected as one of the new hot celebrities and he was at the espies and he was giving away the award to the uh, female of the year, which went to Lindsey Vaughn, and again, I don't know who heard it, but the gist of what he said was, men don't men like to watch women, but they don't like to watch female athletes. And this is right before he's going to. Now it worked out well in that sense that Lindsey Vaughn happens to be gorgeous, but as we were discussing before, you know, 
that wasn't the point, and, and had she not been, how how awful would that have been? But it just goes to show that, that is, there's that precedent that, and in, in especially in business, uh, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna try to get ahead, you've got to look good. And so there was there's always this, it's just always hanging over you. And so when I heard that he did that, I wound up shooting an email to Mark Wahlberg's press person, and I, I have known I know that I'm not going to hear back from him. But basically, I told him if he ever happens to be in the Dallas area and graces us with his presence, I assured him that the women that I work out with would put him against the wall. And so, and, and one of the things that I said then and I'll say to you all is the kind of workouts that I had to do, that's what infuriates me so much is even when I was pregnant, I was squatting up to 350 pounds and I was clocked at running 20 miles an hour. I'd like to see Mark Wahlberg do that. And I was pregnant. And so, yeah, and that was, I, I got to throw in there, that was out steroids. Thank you very much. But, you know, so, so we are so strong, and we are doing amazing things, and yet we're being told repeatedly we can't, we, we can't be in the Olympics because we might break a fingernail. Oh, and that brings to mind another story is when it was the first big World Cup, and it was in St. Saint, Saint Switzerland, and um, there was a big, huge big the corporate sponsor was going to be there. And so all the women, now we're all wearing helmets. I mean, everyone's wearing helmets. All the women were told to make sure to have on mascara and lipstick before race time because, you know, we were, everybody needed to look beautiful before they went careening and slamming and crashing down this mountain at 90 miles an hour. And, again, the, when I think about the kind of training that I had to do and then the kind of treatment we got at the end of the day. And another side issue was that there were often many penalties given to the men's team because they were out partying all the time. And, you know, you hear this set of, for example, uh, female police officers. They always say that they've got to be better, stronger, faster than the men just to be considered equal because they're always having this is kind of the same thing. And we were talking yesterday. Um, I know that that's a huge issue in the business world as well is, You've got to be better just to be considered, maybe, if you're lucky on a good day, equal. Oh, but yep. I'm sorry, you were. we were talking about um, yesterday. It was very funny because, and I have to tell you, Carolyn, thank you so much because you took me down memory lane talking about the football. But <laughs> um, <laughs> then after Bob said was over, I was invited by Sports Illustrated to play uh, professional women's football. And, of course, I probably knew about as much I knew as much about football as I did bobsledding when I first started. But the funny part was I was it was a it was a flip scenario because now suddenly I was with women who were 6'2", 6'3", 6'4", coming up to 300 pounds, big strong women. And on the flip side, instead of we had to look beautiful for corporate sponsors, I remember at the at the end uh, of my story for Sports Illustrated Sports Illustrated really wanted to focus on the angle of um, lesbians in the sport. And, you know, I, I've said many times, not that that, that, you know, the old joke, not that that matters. It really doesn't matter, but I was so disheartened to see that after all the work that we put in, that was the thing that Sports Illustrated wanted to focus on was the the gay issue with female athletes, not the incredible work that these women were trying to do to be able to get the same respect that the male football players were. 
and another note would be when I did sign my contract, they because the league was struggling so much, you had an option to opt out and just be paid $1, and that made us professionals. And I, I walked around and I asked everyone, and every single female football player from our team and every team in the league took the dollar. Now, do you see the NFL these guys playing for a dollar, <laughs> we'd never see them again. <laughs> and it's funny that you brought that up, especially about, um, you know, the, the looking good on camera because, as we uh, talked about yesterday, when I watched the, the Winter Olympics from Vancouver this year, that's one thing I noticed. And I, every time these beautiful women were on, the skiers, the ice skaters, I was like, wow, they're perfectly made up. Even if it was after a ski run, you know, where they just – did the winning run that won the gold or they fell or whatever, whenever they were on camera, their face was perfect mm-hmm. with the makeup and their hair was perfect. I said, yeah, and they must go in, into a makeup booth before they get on camera. It's hysterical. Well, and what did I tell you? Well, what yeah. would be, I guarantee they're being told to do that because corporate sponsors are so huge. Yeah, it yeah. is, definitely. Well, Alex, you also... Um, uh, released a book recently that really ties in, you know, kind of the uh, the strengths that you derive from your your athlete days into some real life issues. Do you want to talk about um, your book, The Swingman, a little bit? Absolutely. I and I will say, um, had it not been for sports, and more specifically, having to knuckle down and take on the good old boy network system. I don't think I would. I don't know that I would have had the same passion or tenacity to do this. But what happened? And I know um, who. So I know someone. I heard someone's from Dallas. There, you're right. going to be familiar with the Midlothian story. And so when we moved to Midlothian, it really was for my horses. We we were going to get land, and I wanted to be able to have my horses. And so we got out here, and it was beautiful. We're out in the countryside, and then all of a sudden, my son got sick. And we were trying to figure out why he was getting sick. And there was this, you know, strange don't ask, don't tell policy around the doctors around here. And as I started finding out, we were actually at Children's Hospital in Dallas, and the doctor was running through the whole, do you smoke? No. Do you, you know, has he been exposed to chemicals? Are you painting? Did you wash your carpet? No, 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 no. And then he looked at the chart and said, oh, you live in Midlothian. And that was the first time I really started investigating and finding, and yes, sure, I I saw that there were the cement plants were here, but I honestly foolishly thought it was regulated, we were fine, and then come to find out that we were emitting tons and tons of arsenic and lead and mercury and took in hazardous waste from seven other states and Puerto Rico, and so, of course, that's astonishing news, and I thought, all right, well, we'll just, we'll just get right on this, and we'll make everybody aware of this and fix it, right? No, it was it, it. No one wants to. No one wanted to discuss it. No one wanted to take it on. No one wanted to, because the the economy really in this small town thrives on the success of those cement plants, and so little by little, um, I wound up speaking several times before the EPA, and in fact, I'm doing so again on Monday, and um, wound up meeting all kinds of politicians including Barack Obama, and just traveling around and trying to get the word out to, to, fight the, to fight the cement plants. And the good news is after a five-year-long fight for me, um, 
they just TXI just announced that they're shutting down their hazardous waste burning kilns. So that's a that's a, a big hooray for everyone in this town, whether they know it or not. It's good for them. But uh, in the interim, I wound up. It was I was very scary to finally take all the information and all the interviews and the people that I talked to and all the families who have children who are have rare forms of cancer or leukemia or asthma and put it down to paper and put it in print because I, quite honestly, both my husband and I had been very nervous about what kind of repercussions were we going to have for doing that. But it's, but it's out and it's getting really good reviews and um, we'll just wait, we'll wait and see. But it is called Swingman and it's, you can find it on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. And to my Dallas buddy, anytime you want to come here and have lunch with me, I would love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, is there anything else that you want to share with us, uh, Alex, about you know your life or uh, any um, kind of advice that you learned along the way that could translate into business uh, for women? You know, yeah, yes, but it's also more of just a comment to you all in that. After we hung up the phone yesterday, you and I, um, you know, I was thinking, it's funny that in, in bobsledding, when we were fighting so long and so hard to get women into the Olympics, and I, I retired, and I started in 1994, and I retired in 1998, and the first women in bobsled for the Olympic Games was 2002, and uh, and I, I've had so many people ask me over the years, oh. If you just hung on for four more years, you could have gone to the Olympics. And I can honestly say I was I was ready to move on. I was I was tired. I was beat up physically, but I really was. But I had stay. I had resolved to stay in until um, we knew that the women were in the Olympic Games. I had resolved to stay in, but I also stayed in long enough to see that there were two kinds of bobsledders, two kinds of female bobsledders. There were those of us who were just pissed off i mean we just couldn't believe that this kind of nonsense was still going on but we still we still worked within the rules that existed i mean we were always pushing but we were trying to work have that that team mentality and and try to work with everybody but there was there was the other group that were they were just so angry that their anger had, had really gotten away from them and they began to alienate and and make enemies and you all know this is that you, you you can't make the guy in charge can be a real jerk, but you can't make enemies with them because it's at the end of the day it's not going to get you where you want to go. And I was thinking about that yesterday, and I was thinking that really that that was one of the things that I learned when I was going through the whole business with the United States and the International Olympic Committee is you know even the, even when you knew that you were morally right and they whatever they were doing was so wrong. As long as you, when you can find a way to still, you don't give up your principles and your morals, but you find a way to still try to work alongside them, that's how you move the mountains, or in this case, slide down the mountain. And my comment is, and because of that, that's, again, I'm repeating myself, but that is why I really was so excited to talk to you all today, and I hope I stay connected with you all, because um, it probably doesn't seem like it sometimes, but what you're doing is so huge even for athletes because right now Nordic ski jumpers um, are trying to, some of the world records, I don't know if you probably don't know this, but some of the world records in ski jumping are held by women 
but women aren't allowed in the Olympic Games because it's too dangerous for them, and someone determined that it would be bad for their constitution should they ever decide to get pregnant. <laughs> mm-hmm. So with that, then knowing that I that there are women out there like you all who run your own companies and you're moving and shaking and doing all these things, it just really inspires me. So thank you, honestly. Okay. Well, we thank you. Um, and, and just for the group, it, it's, it's very ironic when I, I read uh, Alex's resume and read about the fact that she kind of pioneered the women's bobsled team, and I shared this with her yesterday. I have a uh, sixth degree of separation story. My brother uh, and sister-in-law live in Park City, Utah, where a lot of people live and train for the Olympics. And it just so happened I was at uh, one of my nephew's grade school parties, and I overheard this couple talking to someone else and talking about that they had both graduated West Point. And I saw their age, and I, you know, just decided to go up and strike up a conversation with them. They were friends of my brother. I had never met them before because I um, had a a friend of mine that I knew from uh, when I grew up in New Jersey who also graduated West Point. And I just said, hey, by the way, you wouldn't happen to know this guy named Bob so-and-so. And they turned around and they said, we were in his wedding. <laughs> and so then I met this really nice lady called Donna, and Donna was in training to, for the, the 2002 women's bobsled team. She didn't make the team. She was next in line. I think, you know, if there were three slots, she was the alternate. Um, but uh, anyway, long story short, I, I got her email from my brother yesterday, and I, and I connected Alex and Donna via email because they have probably have some mutual friends and mutual uh, war stories that they can share. Yeah. So uh, anyway, pretty funny. But anyway, do you ladies have any questions for Alex while, while she's here? Hi, it's Cecilia. Go ahead. I don't, I don't know who. Did somebody jump in before me? Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I just wanted to say what an amazing story, and it's really interesting that there are so many parallels. You know, as, a, as an entrepreneur getting into the venture capital community and being at these venture events when it's where it is all men, um, and it, in, in 2002 when I was raising money for the first time, I would go to these capital venue events and be the only woman in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's really interesting to, and that's 2002, and you were back in 1994. Um, congratulations to you. I think it's a fantastic story, and, uh, you know, I think lessons learned in terms of dealing in those types of situations are, it's, it's interesting always for me to see how they sort of transcend uh, all kinds of career paths and situations all, all around. So thank you for joining our call today. I thought it was fascinating. Oh, well, thank you. It, I said yesterday, it's fun to talk about now. It wasn't fun to talk about at the time, but it's fun to talk about now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good to write about. And I, by the way, did not know that women were banned from ski jumping in the Olympics, and I find it rather infuriating, and I feel like I want to go start ski jumping now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get there. There's a woman named Carla with a K, Carla Keck. Carla Keck, and you could probably even find her on Facebook, and she is trying. This is, she's an astonishing person, amazing. I keep telling her I, I'm waiting for her book to come out because she has been fighting this tooth and nail since the early 90s. And um, and now it's really it's frustrating because she was one of the best in the world, 
and now she's, you know, at, you know, the the lifespan of an athlete's pretty short, and so now she really is too old to be doing it. But she she's not giving up. She's not giving up. But they're just determined because a doctor ruled more than two decades ago that it wouldn't be good for a woman's joints. You know, are are you kidding me? So yeah, it, but if you all can look up Carla Keck and become her friend, that it, she needs all the support she can get. That's, that's yeah. infuriating. I will. Unbelievable. Any other uh, questions? Oh. I'm sure. This is Rebecca. I just was going to also um, thank you for sharing your story with us and say that um, I, for one, needed enlightenment about this. I, too, thought that uh, we were long past those days. Um, yeah. And when it doesn't touch you, you just can't even imagine that that's still going on. I, that's the thing. Even with, as you just said, with the, with the Nordic ski jumping, Really, I, I knew when we made the games that it was just be a matter of time that Newark ski jumping would get would get in. But you know, and for whatever reasons, they're holding on, and it's yeah, it, it it's amazing. It really is amazing. And then, you know, not to pour salt in the wound, but this business with Mark Wahlberg really just drove me nuts because, you know, sure there's a lot of people out there that have thoughts, but at least have the sense enough not to say them. And he's presenting to the female athlete of the year at the ESPYs and makes that comment. And as I said before, to, to another group, I said, you know, the reason he said it, though, is because he felt comfortable enough that it would get, a, it would get chuckles. <laughs> you know, we were all supposed to agree with that and laugh at the fact that, you know, there's, there's the kind of women you look at and then there's the kind of women that can actually do, do work. And, that, you know, that, so that's, that's the kind of business that we've got we to gotta break down and we've got to get rid of. Any other questions, ladies? No? Chris must be testing heavily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, we had it. We had a conversation yesterday also about, you know, it's not only in, in athletics, it's in business too. I mean, right. you know, that stereotype right. still exists that that not, that you have to look good all the time too, which, you know, it's a lot of work. <laughs> crazy. Men have it so easy compared to us. And it's a lot cheaper to be a man than a woman, that's for sure. They don't <laughs> yeah. have to worry about yeah. the nails. <laughs> the nails, the pantyhose, and all the all the makeup and everything else, which is ridiculous. But, but the glorious thing, though, is that, and I, this sounds so hokey, and, and I, but I mean this, and I drive, I've got two t- older teenage daughters, and so whenever I if I even catch even a glimmer of there being some talk, not even from them but their friends, of you know kind of some, uh, you know kind of not nice behavior. We were talking about yesterday that with you know when when you've got the teams, the men or boys and they fight on a team, it's a fight. When the girls are fighting, they're being bitchy or catty or it's oh there's a cat fight. And I was saying how much I I just loathe and despise that that kind of talk and. And one of the things that I am definitely struck by, though, is the th- whether it's male business uh, business owners or athletes, you know, a lot of times they still sort of have a I'm number one, I'm number one attitude. But even in business, and you guys are representative of this right now, what I love is that women really instinctively pull together. And for one, for some crazy reason, some people view this as, that this is a weakness 
like when some of these books came out and they were celebrating women calling themselves bitches, I, that really bothers me because one of our one of our strengths is we don't have a problem with raising all of you know, we we we're okay with not only are we trying to climb up to the top, but we'll raise up our sisters with us. And I never saw that as a weakness. I've always that's one of our greatest strengths, and I love it. And we were talking about yesterday that you know you, you if you watch television, you think that there's there's just this backstabbing bitch around every corner. They're rare. I really believe they're rare. I think that most of us really want all of us to succeed, and they're willing to pull people up. And it's you know, but we keep highlighting in the movies or, or what? Do you, I don't know what show you said yesterday that you know there's. There's these rampant self self-serving backstabbers running around, but I think that's one of the. You said it. It is more expensive to be a female. Maybe that's true, but I <laughs> I'd still take being a female any day of the week. Yeah, that for sure. Yeah. Okay, so um, at this time, what I'm going to do is stop the recording because now um, what we usually do, Alex, just so you know, is we go around and we just share uh, some of the highlights of our week. You're more than welcome to stay on. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, let, me, let me just stop the recording.